What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I just got home from a trip to Denver, short trip, in which I recorded three new interviews, one of which you're getting today. Honestly, I'm just out here trying to be like a squirrel, collecting and storing away these things for the winter. Um, I like having a bunch of interviews in the can. You guys know how I used to be if you've been listening for a long time. I went through a lot of those during the pandemic, during the lockdowns, but now I've got my stores back up. We've been kind of ridiculously hard at work over here. Lots of exciting new things have been happening and will be happening. Number one, if you haven't checked out our new community forum, please go do that. We would love to have your voice in there. It's at community.powercompanyclimbing.com. The link will be right there in your show notes. Essentially, it's just a way for us to avoid that Facebook scroll that happens anytime you get into a group on Facebook. You end up just going all sorts of directions, and an hour later, you're still on Facebook with no idea what happened to that hour. So this is a way that we can talk with other climbers, we can discuss things more in depth and not get lost in that scroll. I love it. We've needed to do it for quite a long time. Now it's there. Check it out. Also, for those of you who have been excited about the Sharpen Your Sword theme that we've been on the last couple of years very loosely, we've got some big things coming in about a month or so. Stay tuned for that. And I'm going to continue my vague announcements here because in just a few weeks, I'll be launching an entirely new podcast project that I've been working on with my friend and fellow coach, Paul Corsaro. It's a, it's a format and an idea that I've talked about quite a few times over the last couple of years, finally figured out exactly how to make it work, and especially if you're into super nerdy climbing and sports science talk, you're going to love it. Coming soon. All right, today's guest is a good friend of mine and a repeat guest. Um, She was first on the podcast back in episode 53, nearly 200 episodes ago. Let that sink in for a second. In that episode, we discussed putting your accomplishments out there and what positive things can come from this idea of spray, which we have a negative connotation toward. And over the past couple of years, Carrie has been really proactive and inspiring about putting her goals out there for the public while she's chasing them. Um, From her 100 boulders project that ultimately resulted in doing her hardest boulders, as well as a recent big send of Mango Tango, a 14A in the New River Gorge that's got a legendary reputation and is one of the most beautiful routes you will ever see. Carrie and I sat down at the Tension Climbing headquarters 
and discussed all of those projects and more. Let's get into it. I have found myself being at boulders or climbs, being like, I can't do this move because I'm not strong enough. And nine times out of ten, that is a huge cop-out. ago me and a bunch of the people that work at tension like Derek and Zach and Caleb and Quinn and I all went to Joe's and we were like we were all climbing pretty strong we were all really psyched we all had things we wanted to get back to and we just said nothing (laughs) like we just struggled so hard (laughs) I bought like a five pound bag of gummy bears that's what I buy daily carry yeah but uh, we were like <laughs> we were so excited to go to joe's i was like look at all these gummy bears i brought we ate them like all on the first day and just had this like <laughs> like wad of gummy in our stomachs for the whole trip and we tried all these boulders so we went to like anti-future plan and like up near um i've never even heard of anti-future plan and it's near but that sort of sounds like eating a five pound bag of gummies is an anti-future plan (laughs) we just like we couldn't figure out where it started and we all thought that we did the boulder and then like a few Mm. minutes later we were like no we definitely didn't do the boulder and we always like forget the name of it and there's another Mm. one nearby that i bet you would recognize the name of but i totally forgot what Mm. it was called well none of us tried that one it's just like a little bit more famous and then we like went to like playmate of the year oh yeah we like just tried a bunch of stuff and like no one did anything and finally like we all tried electric fence yes yeah it's like a up behind like barely legal kind of yeah and we like couldn't do it for a really long time and then we all finally did it but we had the same like huge gash like taken out of our pinkies that's why i don't use my pinky yeah. It's all because of electric fence. No, I've, I've never But yeah, we all were it. like just so miserable on that trip. It was hilarious. It actually ended up being like the most memorable trip and we all had like a great time. But the whole time we were like, we hate rock climbing. Like, why do we do this? Yeah. I ask myself that question relatively regularly. Oh, for sure. And I think that's why I do it. Like, I feel compelled to just keep doing it even through the like bad experiences, the pain. I was just talking to Will this past weekend. We were climbing on something and it occurred to me, if I were to just walk out to a boulder and someone said, slap this as hard as you can and rake your fingertips across it, I'd be like, no, I I can't even force myself to do that. But then we pull onto the wall and do it over and over and over and over. Yeah. For fun. One of my favorite little rants that Will and I have been on is like, you know, when you're on Instagram and like people are kind of like, you know, climbers are taking things really seriously and yeah. the comment is like, climbing is supposed to be fun or whatever. And Will's like, who told you that climbing is supposed to yeah. be fun? And I'm like, to some degree, like if you want it to be fun all the time, yeah. like that's <clears> a type of climber. But if you don't, that's another type of climber. Totally. And I'm always like, if I'm having fun, like, 50% of the time, yeah. that's a success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there should be some some bad and scary emotions in there, you know, yeah. if you want to be pushing yourself. Those are going to exist. 
kind of like my general life rule too. Like throughout college. It's a good life rule like, to have. I'm like, if it's, if I'm like genuinely happy 50% of the time, I think things are like good. I think that's a good life rule to have. Cause like, I mean, I don't know. Obviously like going to college was a great experience and like I learned a lot, but I wasn't happy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like it, Some of it's going to suck. Yeah. But that's okay. It's just part of it. Well, and I think that's, you know, last time you and I talked on the podcast anyway, it, and I had to think like, have we recorded more times? Because no, we've had, one. we've had so many conversations. I couldn't remember, but the last time we recorded, we were talking about, is it spray or can you just be proud of your accomplishments and put them out there and kind of what's the difference and why do we have this negative connotation around spray? Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I say it, I'm like, that sounds like a bad word, yeah. you know? but it really isn't. And that was when you did shortly after you did Proper Soul, mm-hmm. which was your first 14A, right? Mm-hmm. And since then, you've done more. You recently did a legendary mega line in the new Mango Tango. And I want to get into Mango Tango eventually, but I'll start by saying it came out of the blue for me. Like, I didn't know you had been considering it, thinking about it, planning for it. I had no idea. And then I saw your clip on Instagram and was like, Whoa, that's Mango Tango, you know? When did she go out there and when did this thing pop up? And one thing I appreciate about you is that you do set goals, you chase goals. And I'm somebody who does the same. I often do it in a very public manner and then other goals I don't do in a public manner. What made you decide to have Mango Tango be a little more of a secretive goal? That's funny. I guess I never really considered it to be that secret. Like to me, it's felt fairly public, but I guess maybe not on the Instagram. You just hadn't put it out there into the greater world. You just talked to your circle. I think I, for like my whole life, I've kind of had like different layers of goals. And so like, even when I did, like the reason why Proper Soul was such a big deal for me is because Will actually suggested that I try it back in like, I don't know, I was like 14 or 15. I had barely climbed 513 at the new and he was my coach at the time and had come back and was like, oh, you got to get on this climb, proper soul. And I was like, okay, like whatever. And then I looked it up and I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? My Um, coach is a crazy person. Yeah. And, but like, but from that day on, it was always like in the back of my mind. And I was like, I know that this is not something that I'm ready for, but like every year or so I'd be like, you know, think about it and be like, no, not now. Or like maybe, you know, as the years went by, I was like, okay, maybe now it's time to like set more of a plan for it and actually try it. And I tried it. It was like, nope, not now. Like, you know, it it just kind of like have these layers of things that I want to do. And Mango was kind of the same way. Like I have been sport climbing at the new for a really long time. And I love the new, like, yeah. it's just the best place ever. If you've climbed there, you love the new. Yeah. You can't not. Yeah. And I kind of um, started climbing there a little bit when I was in high school. And then, cause I grew up in Maryland and then I went to school in North Carolina. So the new was like 
about the same distance from both places, mm -hmm. like a weekend trip. Um, and there's kind of like, I don't want to necessarily say like a logical progression because I think that they don't necessarily progress. I right, think things right. just kind of get really hard. Yeah. But in terms of like the lines that like you feel like you really want to do when you're climbing a certain grade, you know, like when I was climbing 13A, it was Apollo, Quinsana, dial 911. And then we started climbing a little bit harder. It was confirmation and BC and Mercy mm -hmm. Seed. And then as I kind of like started working my way up, then it was proper and Coltrane. And then finally it was like, okay, Mango. Like, yeah. I think it's time. But I always, I've been joking recently. I, uh, when I turned 21, my grandparents, like a month after I turned 21, they organized this like surprise family thing at a vineyard and they ended up giving me like two bottles of wine. I was like, these are really nice bottles of wine. Like they have to be for something important. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to be trying confirmation. And so I saved one of those bottles for that. And then the second one was orange. And I'd mm. never tried mango before, but I was like, well, this bottle of wine is orange. So like, it's gotta be for mango Dango. That's and so, awesome. Yeah, I just like saved it <clears throat> for a really long time. And every time I go home, I'd look at this orange bottle of wine and be like, man, I gotta try mango. <laughs> I love that you kept some sort of a, a note to yourself there all the time to keep reminding you of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy for us, especially in this world where like we're, we're applauded on social media for setting goals. It doesn't matter if we reach the goals or not. We just get applauded for setting them. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to forget about reaching them. Yeah. You know, just setting goal after goal after goal and never actually working toward the goal. But having that bottle of wine sitting there was like, okay, I have to, Yeah. someday I have to go do this thing. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and it, it makes it kind of fun to just like, um, like always having something to work towards. And I, I like setting many layers of goals. So like, you know, there may be like a weekly goal or like a monthly goal or seasonally or like kind of lifelong dreams and mm -hmm. stuff. And so like, I think it keeps me sane. Totally. Like if, uh, I know there's these things that I like want to work towards in the future, but I also know there's got to be like check-ins and steps and things. Yeah. And I also have to like feel excited, you know, like I can't put all of my eggs in the one thing that may or may not happen. Sure. You need, you need to build the momentum. You need to yeah. stay excited about the goals. And if you're not, if you're not seeing success, air quotes, mm -hmm no matter how small the goal is, if, if you're not succeeding at something, it's yeah. really easy to just get burnt out. Like this goal's forever away. Yeah. And it's how nice to just there? like, I'll like write them down too and actually go and like check them off or like cross it out and like going back through, even if it's just like a small little thing, like mm -hmm. it's nice to just like feel a little bit of accomplishment working towards something bigger. Yeah, totally. So speaking of layering goals and writing them down and let's rewind back to your 8 million boulders goal. <laughs> I'm just, just going to keep ra raising the number. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it seems in my head. Um, was that intentionally a buildup to 
not necessarily Mango Tango specifically, but mm-hmm. bouldery sport climbs, or was it its own thing just for the sake of bouldering? This is such a fun question. It's it's so many different things. It really it really came about at a point in my life where I felt a little bit lost. And mm. so I had like just gone to Seyus for the summer, which was incredible, and climbed my heart out on beautiful limestone and then mm-hmm. decided to move to Colorado. And so um, I moved here in August of 2018. And I had been sport climbing and pretty much defined myself as a sport climber, really only sport climbed, maybe dabbled in bouldering, but didn't, you know, really didn't boulder much. Um, And I definitely didn't see myself as a boulder. Mm. And, and, And now I'm kind of realizing that because I was sport climbing at the new, I ran into this problem more often than not, but I would just get shut down by boulder problems. And so particularly on confirmation, I was like, I can you know, I can do this climb, but there's one move or one boulder that I just like cannot even do in isolation. And this kind of happened like more often than not, I would kind of find myself on sport climbs where I was like, can't do these boulders. Like I just like, that doesn't feel like something you should be worried about when you're sport climbing. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I think I have moved very far in this like endurance and climbing technical understanding direction, but my strength and my power is definitely lagging. Mm -hmm. Um, So I moved here. I was excited to be in an environment that was going to be very challenging and competitive and really push me. And so my my plan was to boulder to ultimately get better at sport climbing. And I, you know, I talked to Will about it or like people and they're like, you're just going to become a boulder. It's like, I absolutely <laughs> will not. <laughs> like the no ultimate chance. goal is to come back and be a better <clears throat> sport climber. Um, and that has, I guess, I guess now it has kind of gone full circle a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely still psyched on bouldering. You've been pulled a little to the dark side. Yeah, for sure. Which I quite like. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so then there's like a lot of different things behind it because that was kind of the the reasoning, but I also was like tended to be really frustrated that I wasn't very good at bouldering compared to how good I felt like I was at sport climbing. Right. And I definitely I would like my friends from high school and like growing up competing, we would go on like a yearly bouldering trip, which was always really fun, like to meet up with them and you know, it's always easier to go on like a group bouldering trip than a sport climbing. Is that climbing. what was going on in Chattanooga when we talked the first time? Yeah. 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 Cool. It's just our like yearly reunion bouldering trip. Um, and I just like, I just always really felt like I was capable of climbing V9 and V10, but I wasn't. And I would just be pretty miserable on these trips. Like, obviously it was fun to see my friends, but like I'd really want to do, cause I, I, at the time I could climb 514. I felt like I was a strong climber and I just really felt like being a strong climber, air quotes, meant I should be able to climb right, V10. Right. And it it annoyed me that I couldn't. I've climbed 514. I'm entitled to these boulders. Totally. Yeah. And it's <laughs> such a bad attitude. And like there really was a sense of entitlement. And I really felt like I just should be able to do this thing that's completely different <clears throat> from this other right. thing that I was doing. Right. Um, which was, yeah, it was totally bad, a super bad attitude. And I'd go on these trips and I'd be like, banging my head against the wall, like trying to do V9 or V10. And 
like trying to take rest days because I felt like maybe I needed to be rested to do them. And I just like would leave empty handed and like feeling kind of like I had wasted a trip or mm. or whatever. And and so I was like, <clears throat> finally, like sat down with myself and was like, how did I become better at sport climbing? And I realized I've done hundreds and hundreds of sport climbs. Like, right. I think I've done at least 100 climbs at each the new and the red mm -hmm. and i've been on various like sport climbing trips and like and that's like 510 511 512 you know five like it's it's a full-on pyramid of things yeah so i was like well maybe that would work for bouldering <laughs> and so the diamond came about because i didn't want to like ignore some of the lower grades sure but i didn't feel like that was I just kind of felt like I was so late to the bouldering game that like, you know, a hundred, like if I had been bouldering for my whole life, I would probably have like a hundred V3s. Like I have like a hundred five tens. Right. But because I kind of made this switch over in the middle of like my climbing mm -hmm. career, I was like, okay, you know, I still want to do V3, V4, V5, but I really feel like V6 to V8 is going to be the meat of like what I need to work on yep. in order to get into like some of the higher grades. I think that's really smart. Um, you know, we, we talk in terms of pyramids all the time. And I think if you look at almost any good climbers tick list, it's going to look something like a pyramid at the top of it, but it almost always looks also like a diamond if you look at the rest of it. Because they're, they're it not climbing as many of the easy things. And if they do, it's not registering as a thing that they did necessarily. But especially coming into the bouldering game later, you know, ignoring all those grades that are quote unquote easy for you just doesn't set you up very well for the boulders that are challenging for you. So totally that mileage is super important, but it sh also shouldn't be the focus for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> you know, I distinctly remember a handful of fours that I got on that yeah. like took 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. No and I question. was like, I'm glad that these were included and right. you know, they should, I found value in every boulder that I ended up getting on. Which was which was great, and I think that was a lot of the the point. Yeah. So talk to me a little about. Let's kind of break down the diamond. I want to post a, a photo of it um, up on the blog, and there will be a link in the show notes, you know, to the the photo, and it'll also be on the Instagram. I just think it's a super smart way to go about things, and it was really fun too. Yeah, and it it having the like colorful fun thing <laughs> to write all the names on and it's it's very nerdy but that's why we're all doing this damn thing if you're listening to this podcast you're steeped in nerdy climbing already totally so this is something that could be really fun for people talk to me a little about the the diamond and the timeline that you initially put on it totally so where does the diamond top out and where does it start? Um, it starts at V3 and goes up every grade to V11. And at the time that I made it, my hardest outdoor boulder was V8. 
Yeah. <laughs> I always joke that I actually sent my first like V9 or V10 on a sport climb because I had done Coltrane at this time. Totally. But I was like, the the actual hardest boulder that I had sent outside was a V8. And I, I really just felt like I could climb v, V9 and V10, had nothing to back that up. Definitely mm -hmm. had, you know, part of a that like entitlement that we were talking about. Sure, but, but there's also something to be said for confidence. Yeah, and, and so knowing I was like, yourself. I just feel like if I work towards this for a little bit more specifically and be a little bit more dedicated to it, I think I can reach that goal. And then I wanted to push it one step further, which is why I had 11 on there. Um, so it was two V3s, four V4s, nine V5s. 20 v6s 30 v7s uh 20 v8s 9 v9s 4 10s and 2 11s mm. and i started it on august 31st 2018 and i thought that it would take me until august 31st 2019 i wanted to do it in a year um i ended up finishing it on in like the end of february of this year so two and a half years later mm-hmm but it also ended up being about like 130 something boulders too. It took me a long time to finish off that second 11. And I just kept adding, like this was like my my personal A day. So whenever yeah. I would send a boulder, I'd just be like, well, I don't know where else to record it. So I'll put on the sheet. <laughs> what, do you think it was the like time put into harder projects or was it just the... Um, work and life and those things also getting in there that ended up taking so much longer than your original timeline or do you think your original timeline was just wildly wildly optimistic definitely both <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was very it was wildly optimistic but i also like in that time frame got a new job started working full time um, ended up sport climbing some. So I had mm -hmm. a few sport climbing projects that I got psyched on and I was competing. <clears throat> and so I kind of was spreading myself a little bit thin in all aspects of climbing, which, it, you know, I, I kind of originally thought that I would like 100% dedicate myself to bouldering, which for the most part I did, but mm -hmm. I'm really glad that I kept doing the other avenues that also make me happy. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's spreading yourself thin, but then also maybe it's just broadening your skill set. Yeah. Continuing to keep the edges sharp. Yeah. You know? And it definitely like slowed <clears throat> it down a little bit, but sure. by the time that I realized that I wasn't going to do it in a year, I was kind of like, which was probably shortly after i'm sure in like a few months i was like this is not gonna happen i mean you came to lander and spent the whole weekend just climbing in my gym instead yep. of going outside yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> which i got a lot of shit for <laughs> but i appreciate <laughs> your spray wall's good <laughs> i was psyched it's there waiting yeah but <clears throat> um yeah so it definitely by the time i realized that it was going to take me longer than a year i was like I'm not that stressed about it. Like I'm going to finish it yeah. eventually and it doesn't really matter when it happens, right. but, um, you know, as long as it does happen <clears throat> eventually. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a bit of a danger depending on what type of person you are in setting a time limit to a goal, mm -hmm. you know, especially a big, a big reaching goal that's, that you know is going to be difficult 
especially if it's if it's going to take a year, if you think it's going to take a year, that's a long-term goal realistically. So as soon as that flag pops up, I'm like, "Whoa, maybe I'm a little out of pocket here thinking I can do this in a year. Maybe I just get rid of the time limit." But I also like the the pressure of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're the kind of person who enjoys setting goals and putting pressure on yourself, but you're also the kind of person who isn't going to get bent out of shape if you miss the mark sometimes, Mm -hmm. then it can be really powerful. If you know you're the kind of person who gets bent out of shape when you miss the mark, maybe don't set those time limits. And I think I really needed that time limit at first because Mm. I bouldering was just really hard for me for a while like yeah. I just didn't like that I felt like I was really bad at it compared to how good I felt like I was at sport climbing which like I keep saying I know that's a bad attitude and I have worked to kind of like let that go but mm-hmm. at the time it was very true like it was hard for me to walk into a gym you know I remember getting on the tension board when I came back from France and I had done like 10 13s in Seyus and was like I feel like I'm a strong sport climber and I could not climb V6 on the tension board. Right. And I was just like, this is hard for me to deal with. And, you know, I knew that it was what I needed to kind of break through that next barrier that like into the next level. And I just knowing myself kind of felt like unless I put a time limit on it, I was going to become afraid of it and just never want to go down that road sure and so the time limit was definitely very purposeful but as soon as you know six months into it I was like this is so fun like and it (laughs) it just like it did so many good things for my climbing it's always like the number one thing I recommend if people ask me like questions about training or or climbing or whatever and it just turned into this thing. Like I was always excited to try whatever. Like mm-hmm. I went on a, the so this started in August of 2018. And that year, our like yearly friend trip, we went to Waco. And I was like- I remember this. Fresh start. I was like, I'm a new, I'm a new person. <laughs> it was almost like you were surprised by how well you were climbing there. Yeah. Well, because my, my whole attitude going into the trip was like, I'm so tired of trying to go on these trips to do V9 or V10 and just feeling crushed and disappointed and feeling like I didn't get to climb anything. And I was like, I have this new goal. I've done hardly no boulders for it. You know, just I had a few sprinkled in there. And I was like, we're going to Waco. I just want to climb everything. I want to get on every single boulder that we come to. Mm -hmm. And I think we ended up taking maybe like one rest day. And I did maybe 20 boulders that trip. And my first 10, and then the day after, my first nine. Yeah. So, like, all of the things happened. Like, I, I just used to feel like I have to be so focused on, like, one climb if I wanted to climb V10. But in reality, like, I went and I got on fun V4s, seven sixes, like, just tried everything that was put in front of my face and then also ended up sending my first 10. Yeah. I think it's a, a really interesting thing that a and, and a mistake that a lot of people make in their thinking is that they they have this big project, they want to do this specific grade whatever, say it's V10, 
And for some reason in our heads, we say, oh, if I hangboard and if I campus, that's more specific to getting me to that goal than if I go climb a bunch of V6s and V7s. When in reality, climbing the 6s and 7s and so on are building the skills that you're going to actually use on that V10, whereas the hangboarding and the campusing can transfer, but it's a little tougher to make them transfer. Yeah. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, and I think it, the conversations around it, I think, maybe contribute that to that mm. to some degree. Sure. I think you have to be careful with, like, I mean, the data is certainly cool. Mm -hmm. But for me, on the end of things, I've always been a much better climber than I am strong. And so, you know, I see these things that are like the average climber who climbs this grade can do this one arm hang on this edge. And I'm nowhere close to that. Right. And like, it'll be some climbs, it'll be like, you know, 514, you should be able to do this. And I'm like, well, I've done 514 and I literally cannot do anywhere close to that. Um, but for some reason, even knowing that, like, it really got to me with bouldering. I'd be like, but no, for bouldering, this is actually true. I'd be like, I, I need to be able to do this yeah. one arm hang or this whatever to boulder. And I, I think that takes you down this road of like feeling like you're not strong enough to climb those totally. grades. Where I that's think, just not true for everybody. I think that's really interesting that you started thinking along those lines when it was something that you weren't really good at yet and you were trying to get good at it because even I mean I it happens to me all the time I know it happens to everybody else where I'm trying to get good at this thing and even though I know I'm you know I've read the research I've I've spent a lot of time with learning skills and getting stronger and it takes a lot of time and work and energy to do those things. But I still just want the fastest way there. Mm -hmm. Like I want the magic pill I can take. And if it's like, oh, if I can work up to hanging this weight on this edge on one arm, I'll just be able to do this thing. You know, mm -hmm. that seems like the faster magic pill. So it's it's enticing. Yeah, it it's like is an super enticing. And it... I think it just maybe like, I don't, it, it doesn't really make any sense because I was just about to say maybe you can kind of see how it would help a little bit better, but that's not even logical because why would climbing yeah. not be the more obvious one? Right. It's it's a very funny thing. And I I think the, the place where we go wrong is we, and, and we're guilty of this. We try very hard to talk about it in a common sense kind of way, but we're certainly guilty of leading people down the wrong path now and then. But when we say the average climber who can hang this weight climbs this grade, what we're actually saying is the average climber who is training and taking these tests 
which are the people who are spending a lot of time training. Mm -hmm. They're not the person who's spending all their time climbing and never comes into the gym to hangboard. Yeah. You know? I always try and whenever I see those surveys pop up, I'm always trying to take them because yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be the one who like can't do any of the, the strength training things, but like has the higher like sport climbing grades or something. Yeah. We should get your measurements so that we have you in our oh, database because you're going to be a... <laughs> You're going to be a female outlier for sure. And we need those. Yeah. No, it's great. I think it's important to have that data. But yeah, so my my hot take on it is uh, it's, I think you have to like confront yourself a little bit mm. more mm -hmm. if you get on these boulders that you think are, I, I okay, at least for me, I think this is what it tends to be is like when I'm training I can be like, okay, I'm just working towards, you know, training to be strong enough to climb this grade. Mm -hmm. But when I'm actually out there on the boulders and I can't do the grades that are the steps leading up to the grade that I want to do, it's it's a lot harder to like emotionally deal with than just being like, oh, I had a bad hangboard session. I think it's a yeah. little bit more like it it puts you in your place a little bit more. Totally. Which like is one of the reasons why I ended up making this goal is because I, I kind of knew that. I I think really kind of deep down there, I was like, I need to be put in my place a little bit. Mm. Like I need to be humbled. I need I need to have my ass kicked because I just like, I know that this is something that I felt maybe entitled to and like that entitlement or those feelings like needed to be like kicked out of me. Yeah. I think it's really important to know that, you know, I mean, my, my book, The Hard Truth is essentially entirely about being honest with yourself. It's a great book. You I know? love that one. And, and I think it's something a lot of us could continue working on forever, mm -hmm. be more honest with ourselves and, yeah. and we'll get so much more out of the energy we put in if we are. Yeah. There was a, I think it was when you were in town, we were climbing in the machine shop. Um, that was sh right around the time you had done, I don't remember what boulder it was. Clear blue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we had a conversation that was really similar to a conversation I had with Angie Payne eons ago. And it was almost like you didn't believe you were as strong as you are. And you were, you were kind of trying to reconcile that in your head. Hmm. I have always had a hard time seeing myself as a boulder or a strong climber in general. Mm. And I, that comes from like a lot of different things. I've tried to adjust my language a little bit because I know that like the things that you say can be harmful sometimes. But sure. I used to always call myself weak and mm. like... And to me, that was like, this is me being honest with myself. Right. The level that I climb at and my technical ability and my understanding of movement is far higher than, you know, yeah. other people. Is, is far higher than like, uh, what am I trying to say? It's the average person climbing your grade. Right. But on the flip side of that, my strength is way lower. Right. And so I kind of, that's how I kind of meet in the middle to mm -hmm. that grade. And so, you know, but I would go around and be like, I just, I'm weak, like all these things. And I'm like, no, like 
Well, first of all, I think that's just not a nice thing to say about yourself. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to be better about it. But mm -hmm. I also just think it's hard for, you know, like if I am stronger than somebody and I'm calling myself weak, like that's not right. great. Um, so, you know, the language I try and use now is just relative to my climbing ability. So like, you know, when we look at averages, like I tend to be the one who's the outlier on the lower side and that's totally fine. I think to me, it just gives me like this direction for my training. I'm like, okay, I know that my strength or my technical ability is kind of carrying me. And so I need to be yeah. working on the other thing. Um, and that's a really smart way to look at it. You know, that's, that's how we try to use our data in general is let's get your measurements. And if it shows that there's this obvious hole you could be working on or this obvious thing you're really good at, really strong at, then that just helps us guide your training for yeah. the next time period. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the smarter way to look at it than saying, if I do this, then I can do this. Totally. Because it yeah. just doesn't work that way. And that's kind of, I think, how I've tried to use it. But I have realized that, like, you know, all of the years of calling myself weak has created an identity in myself that sure. has just made it really hard for me to see myself as a strong boulderer. Mm -hmm. And so I can imagine that that's what kind of was happening a year ago. No, and I think it's normal to, you set a big goal, you're, you're achieving these big goals, and you're a person who questions the, the how and the why of not only when you're failing, but when you're succeeding and are trying to learn from it. So I think it's smart to question it and just say, is, is this really that great? I don't know if I, am I that strong? Am I that good at climbing? I'm not sure, you know, just have to, you have all these emotions. That's, that's what this whole damn thing is, is filled with confusing, conflicting emotions and, and motivations. Question, now that you've done much harder boulders than you had when you started this, this 10 million boulder campaign, are you worried about, have you felt any of that same entitlement flipping so that now you're like, oh well, gosh, I've climbed I'm these so hard happy. boulders. So I should just be able to climb these hard sport climbs. I'm so happy that you asked this question. Cause it, yeah. So, okay. Slight tangent. Um, one of the things that was like the most beneficial of this goal, I, it, it was so good for so many reasons, like building a base, um, working on my strengths and weaknesses and trying a variety of different boulders. But like, I just became so much happier. Like mm -hmm. I loved climbing. I like remembered why I loved it. I was so excited to get on anything and everything. And I just like, besides the strength goals that I accomplished, like on the other side, my mentality about climbing and just, yeah, general happiness had improved so much. Yeah. And I, I was supposed to learn these lessons or I, I did learn these lessons that were like, you know, I can go to Waco and I can try every boulder that I want to try. And mm -hmm. I can also send my first V10 and I can go, you know, do all these other boulders and also send my projects and like just kind of balancing the two things. And, and, and that's for like a lot of reasons. I think just like 
happiness plays a huge part into that, but also I think that there's a learned, like you learn something when you send boulders Mm. and it's different than just sending a gym boulder. Like if I go outside and send a V6, like sending translates to sending something harder. I don't really know what exactly it is, but you can kind of get in these, you know, um, this momentum. Absolutely. Um, And so I finished this goal in February of this last of this year and just almost immediately forgot everything that I was supposed to have learned. (laughs) I was like, kind of went back into training and then was like, okay, you know, I had pretty big goals for Alpine season and I felt I, the training that I had done last winter felt like it was really paying off and I felt a lot stronger. And I was like, (laughs) I just felt like after, so I had sent my first V11 in 2020 and my second V11 this year. And I just felt like I should be able to walk up to any V11 and do it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, did I learn literally nothing? Yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of like, well, actually it was kind of, the problem was exacerbated a little bit by doing no more greener grasses. Mm-hmm. My first session of this Alpine season. So I had tried no more greener a few times maybe once or twice but only maybe two or three times but only ever after like trying clear blue so i would like rip my fingers and bleed and then be like i'm not doing this boulder today so i'll try no more greener because my friends are on it but the first day that i actually went to try no more greener this past alpine season i did it which was crazy um and so that was maybe bad for me actually because from that point on <laughs> I was like okay like it's it worked I did the training I did the volume like I can send these things that I want to be sending yeah. and then I went three months without sending a single boulder <laughs> <laughs> I was like I went to Lincoln and I was trying tattooed and honey badger and like getting really really close on them but just not sending and I was like you know spiraled all over again and was like what am I doing wrong and it was this it's the same thing that I was doing wrong the first time like just because I've done one or two doesn't mean that I can walk up to any boulder and just do it and and I wasn't taking the time to remember how to send boulders and so like I need to get on that v8 and just you know try and do it in a few tries or that v6 and try and flash it or you know challenging myself in these ways that helps me remember how to execute yeah and so yeah totally you know i'm trying it's a process i'm learning (laughs) yeah you know nate and i talk a lot and we just recently did a patron episode about um are your skills current and sending is a skill and if you're projecting for a long time and failing over and over and over for months and months your sending skill may not be current anymore Mm -hmm. and you may be it may be detrimental to keep working on your project once you've you know forgotten how to send is the wrong term but 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 that's that's essentially what it is is. you gotta teach your body how to fall and your your brain like your brain kind of gets into this like okay and now i fall Mm -hmm. and this is where i fall and I honestly felt that way about clear blue because I had tried clear blue for a, 
I pretty much dedicated most of my alpine season in 2019 to try and clear blue. And I felt like I had just trained my body and my mind to fall. Obviously, it's a short boulder. There's one pretty defined crux, but I would feel very close on it and just, you know, fall and then immediately get back on and do the move. And I was like, something is wrong here. And in 2020, I actually like made the slightest beta tweak that made it kind of feel like a new boulder. Mm. And it it helped me. Yeah, because it, it almost made it it broke that cycle of like, this is the same boulder and I fall in the same spot. And I've, I found this new beta and I did it the very next session. Yeah, that's really important. There's, you know, even if, even if there's not a beta change to be had and you can't make it feel physically like a new boulder, I think that, you know, something I'm experiencing right now is I did a long stretch, too long of a stretch working on, just vegetable boulders where I'm just testing the things that are really hard for me. I'm not going to any of the stuff that feels like home, you know, where I'm just squeezing between slopers. I'm grabbing tons of in-cut crimps and I'm climbing on vert or lightly overhanging things. And, you know, my, my hips aren't, are just getting worked trying to gain mobility for these moves I know I'm bad at. And I did that for a long time and forgot how to send and was getting like not having fun going climbing. And this season, I was like, I'm going to start the season out by just going and sending things, you know. I'm going to drop my levels down a bit. I had a great 2020. 2021 didn't start so well. So I'm going to drop my levels down and send some things. And then all of a sudden, I'm like excited again. I'm motivated. There's this big momentum building up. And I go back to some of the vegetable boulders and they feel completely different because I'm coming in excited instead of looking at it in fear of like, oh, this is going to hurt. This is going to suck. I, but I have to take my lumps, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the vegetable boulders are feeling easier and I'm sending them. And it's so easy to forget about that. It's so yeah. easy to be a little bit of a masochist and just bang your head against the wall and forget that that sending is a skill and we have to keep it current or maybe we don't send. I really enjoyed um, Nate Drolet's, uh quitting strategy because mm. I think that yeah. to me that's something I've reflected on May hugely because of my experience on clear blue but it's like I should have walked away from that boulder a lot sooner than I actually did Mm. and like it you know I think that sometimes if you continue to fall on a boulder you're actually setting yourself up in the wrong direction yeah it's actually more like detrimental than it is helpful yeah I think so do you feel like you know you you've finished your your big 12 million boulders goal and then you went sport climbing and i went sport climbing at the new which is a very big asterisk yeah it's bouldery zone (laughs) did you go in feeling and you had a really successful trip so this is a tough question to answer maybe but did you go in feeling more entitled for the hard sport climbs or 
did you just feel like your sport climbing skills would would still carry over and the bouldering was just a bonus? Yeah. That's a good question. So I I I did alpine season this year. Mm-hmm. I was um doing a lot of bouldering and I know that the new is bouldery and I know that I have a really solid base in sport climbing and the original decision to boulder was actually driven by a lot of bouldery sport climbs at the new. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess I, I have, so I had also been on Mango Tango before. So the first time I tried it was in 2018 and I don't think I did all the moves. And then the second time was in 2019. I actually felt really close to doing it. Um, I had stuck the crux once from the ground and then fallen immediately after. And then uh, can we just can we just pause there for a second? Because I think a lot of people listening, if they'd only done the crux move once from the ground, they maybe don't think they're close. But you did, and I think that's a a product of. I understand how these types of climbs work. Mm-hmm. I understand my abilities in context with this climb. Mm-hmm. So I have a fine-tuned um, scale to say whether I'm close or not. And I think a lot of people take it for granted that you just know if you're close or not. And especially on climbs that are technical sort of like execution style Mm -hmm. where once you learn the moves and can do the moves you can put it together yeah people who are steeped in like pumpy climbing don't understand that they did the move once and all of a sudden they're close yeah and i didn't really feel like mango was had a huge pump factor to it but knowing what i know now about the climb I was wrong in twenty in mm-hmm. twenty nineteen, and and so that you know, from, and and so I had one hung it the time that I stuck the crux move I, like stuck the crux from the ground and then, fell, and then got back on and took it to the chains. So in that sense, it was close, but I, um, yeah, you know, knowing that I wasn't getting like pumped as pumped as like a endurance climb. I definitely got a little pumped. Um, I guess maybe more fatigued is the better mm. word. Um, more like power is being drained. Yeah. And so I think I, when I left that trip, I had stuck the crux once from the ground on my first day trying it. And then I tried it for the rest of the trip and never repeated that high point. And so I kind of was like left a little feeling confused. Mm-hmm. And then... I, I kind of felt like if these moves felt easier, as in I was stronger, maybe I'd have a better chance of doing the climb. Yeah. And so then I, you know, have been bouldering. And at some point over the summer, I definitely was like, I need to get back on a rope. Like, I actually don't know where I'm at. And competed at a sport climbing competition, which was crazy. I was like, wow, <laughs> what am I doing? Um and actually did well. A- Alex kind of gave me a lot of shit for that one. I was, my friends and I all were like, we're going to go to Albuquerque National Cup. And I was like, you know what? Like, screw it. 
every all my other friends are sport climbing like i'm a sport climb and alex is like do you really think that's a good idea because he knows <laughs> that i have this really strong sport climbing identity and i haven't been doing much sport climbing mm. and i tend to get really frustrated when i don't feel like i'm sport climbing to my i just it's it's like a you know when you have your identity wrapped up in something you kind of sure but anyways, I actually ended up making finals. And so I was like, take that, Alex. <laughs> but, you know, it's because the expectations were lower. And I had actually, you know, it was like the perfect combination of like my expectations were lower because I knew that I hadn't been training specifically for sport climbing. But I actually was training specifically for sport climbing right. because the thing that I needed was right. bouldering. But anyways, so I, I kind of started to feel like actually my sport climbing might be where I want it to be. Mm. And I had a few sessions at Ascent and Englewood and um, and one more at the spot in Louisville and was pretty happy with how I felt on the wall. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went... I went into the trip definitely feeling like I had a really good chance. Um, you're, you're choosing your words really carefully, which I appreciate because I think there is a, a distinction between like entitlement and confidence. Whereas one can be destructive, the other leaves room for failure. Mm -hmm. Um, and like when I when I watched your that first clip you put up of Mango, like before you announced that's what had happened, and I was sitting there like, did she just send? I think she just sent, you know. And little teaser, no yeah. One really knows. <laughs> <laughs> and and you were not you were not surprised. You you were excited, but you didn't seem super surprised to me like and I thought that was very cool I love seeing people confident in their abilities and while you were excited it wasn't a shocked kind of excitement and so for like the the two weeks or whatever between that and and you posting that you'd done it I was kind of waiting with bated breath like I hope she sent and I can't wait to see that she sent. You know? In fact, <laughs> I sorry. talked to several people about it. Like, did Carrie send Mango? Sorry, it's sorry really for the cool tease. if she did. <laughs> no, I could have asked, but I kind of didn't want to. I yeah. liked the anticipation. Yeah, I liked anticipating it. Yeah, I mean, even it was a journey, though. Like <clears throat> the first day back on it, I just really wanted to do it, and I I think it's hard when you kind of know you can do something um but you know obviously keeping my eye on the weather for like weeks ahead of the trip sure, like of what's happening at the new is it gonna rain the whole time like like it we went in october and it ended up being pretty warm and very humid and i was like oh my god like i i really want to set myself up for success and like this isn't looking so great and the slopey crimps are like pretty bad and so the first day we ended up we we arrived and it was kind of rainy so we went and climbed at the coliseum and bc has been another really long project of mine for a, yep. i've just you know bc the last move is the crux mm -hmm. it's 
tricky because it is the crux, but you're also like, oh my God, I'm falling on the last move. Um, and so we went back to BC and this was after like two days of waking up at five in the morning and traveling. And I got on BC and just did not do it, which mm. like I was, you know, to me, like I felt like BC is, was something that I should be ready for. And when I didn't do it the first day back, I was like, oh my God, like, what, like I don't know, just all these, I started making meaning out of like all these things that didn't actually have meaning. Right. And I was like, I was hesitant on the crux. And when I actually got to the last move, you know, people skip those two bolts. Yep. When I actually find, like got to the move on point, I was scared and I clipped sure. and then I was like mm. out of position. And I was just like, oh my God, like, what if I am not ready? I'm like hesitating, I'm shaky, I'm like nervous and scared and these things. I was like, ah. <laughs> and it also, and it had been raining and so then took a rest day and then went to go try mango and it was really cloudy and a little bit cooler. And I felt like looking at the weather for the rest of the trip, I kind of felt like that was, like I had to do it or else mm. I didn't have another window. Um, and that's a lot of pressure to put yeah. on yourself. And of course I didn't do it that day. It was just like relearning the moves, but I had some really good goes. Um, but you know, the thing that I was thinking to myself was like, it has to be today. It has to be today. And that's, you know, hard to carry that weight up while you're climbing. Yeah. And when it wasn't that day, do you think it lowered your expectations? No, I think I... You just tacked them on to the next session too? Um, I just, I pulled out all of my, my tactics. I was looking at the weather and the humidity when I was trying it. And then I was like looking at the next days and I was kind of learning that the weather at the new behaves differently than it does here. And so sure. I was like, it actually, I had kind of assumed that the heat of the day was going to be, you know, noon and it would get cooler afterwards but it mm. actually had like as the day goes on it got hotter and the humidity levels rised and I kind of tried to use logic to like calm myself down and I was like actually it looks like maybe Monday around noon we'll have similar temperatures and humidity and like I think that you know, something in my brain that could be like, look at these numbers, like helped me. Mm -hmm. But the reality was like, I felt really good on the climb and I, sh I could have just trusted in that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the day that I actually ended up doing it, it was just so shaky, like sewing needle leg, just like kind of freaking out the whole time. I gave, I gave four goes before I sent um, and it was like I would do the crux and then fall a little higher which I never really thought would happen mm. so the time that I did the crux in 2019 I fell like immediately after I like really didn't have it super well but I trying it again I had kind of learned the nuance of the position a little bit better and could kind of tell when it was good versus when it was bad and how to make it good um, and so on the day that I I sent, I, um, my first go, I would pull through the crux and fall higher. And I was on a spot that was hard, but I actually didn't really think I would ever fall on. And then I would 
get on again too soon and fall at the crux and be like, uh, that's not good. And then rest and then pull past the crux and fall at the same spot again. And then pulled back on too quickly, like took maybe like a 10 minute rest and then fell at the crux and was just overall strategy was very bad. Um, was just making very like making decisions based on like my emotions rather than like, sure. And just, yeah, just stressing about and sometimes it. that works. Sometimes it works well to just go with your emotions. Yeah. Sometimes it does not. And yeah. it's a, it's a tough balance to strike, I think. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, really ultimately what did it is I was like sitting under the base of a mango with Alex and I told him that, um, I told him I felt like I wanted to have done mango rather than wanted to do it. And that's another conversation that I had with Will a while ago. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. And I mean, it was a great conversation that I had with Will and he's kind of talking about like the difference between wanting to have done something and wanting to do something. And I think obviously like wanting to do something is the more um, kind of pure, we love climbing mentality where like you love the process and you want to be climbing and, and that kind of thing. And wanting to have done something is not necessarily like a great thing. Right. Like I think, I like to be like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I want to go climbing and, like, you know, wanting to have done something is, like, that's a bad attitude. But when I'm really being honest with myself, like, sometimes I want to have done something. And yeah. Mango was a climb where I was like, Alex, like, I just really want this to be over with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think something about just saying that and, like, releasing that energy into the world being like I'm I'm actually being honest with myself like I feel a lot of pressure I'm not really having that much fun and I just want it to be over with um allowed like being honest about those emotions I think allowed me to then take the steps to be like oh I've been here before like yeah. this happens every single time I sport climb about something or get on a project that I really care about. Mm -hmm. And I call it the best worst part. And I was like, Alex, I'm just in the best worst part. So, so the first step was being honest with myself. And then the second step was like, this is a thing. It happens every time, every time it feels like this new crazy emotional feeling, but it's really just the same thing I've been through like hundreds of times. And it's the best worst part. It's the part where like, you know you can do something and you're not doing it and that really sucks. Yeah. But also like without those experiences, like it doesn't, you know, the process isn't complete without that exactly. low moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, there's, I talk about this a little in the book as well. Um, and I've talked about it in some talks I've given that sending has to be a part of the process and it's, you know, there, there's the, I want to have done it. I want to do it. There's also the people who are like, I just want to be involved in the process of it. And they don't put a lot of, um, they don't put a lot of emphasis on the actually doing it part. So they end up in this never ending process mm -hmm. and, and they end up posting these things on Instagrams like, oh, it's all part of the process over and over and over. And I'm like, if your process never finishes, mm 
there's something wrong with your process. Yeah, you know? is it really a process then? Maybe you just maybe you just love going and doing moves and you don't have to clip chains or top out a boulder and that's fine if that's you. But if you're in this to to see that sort of tangible, you know, progression of sending something harder, then that has to be a part of your process. Mm-hmm. And you have to fucking care a lot about it to mm-hmm. do really hard things. Yeah. You know, and and there's going to be confusing and conflicting emotions when you care that much about something that's also really fucking hard for you yeah yeah and it's like this uh you know i'm climbing on one of the most beautiful lines in the country that climbs amazingly it has these perfect crux sequences like you know i don't i don't love that i wasn't having fun on it like i should have been having fun Mm -hmm. on it all you know it checks all the boxes but i think the important thing for me in that moment was like just because i'm not having fun on this right now doesn't mean that i don't like climbing it doesn't mean that i don't like this climb it it doesn't mean any of the things it just means that i've put a lot of pressure on myself yeah and you know we had a week-long trip coming from colorado like it's not it's not like i can just go back to it very easily um so I, th- I think like, yeah, just being honest with myself about the way that I was feeling lifted some of that weight off my shoulders and I pulled on and I was like, I know this is my last go of the day, but like, I also know that I can pull these moves and with the rest of, and this was one of the hotter days. And I was like, I'll have other days that are like this. Like it, it'll be fine. Like I, I know that. I'm pulling this crux maybe every other time and I just need one go where I stick this red point crux. And so I pulled onto the wall. The first, the second move felt hard and it never feels hard. And I was like, oh, well, I'm screwed. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. this is bad. And I just kind of was like, okay, whatever. Like, this is going to be my last go of the day. Might as well ride it out. And everything just felt harder. And that was honestly a a blessing because I no longer had room in my brain to overthink how everything felt Mm. because it just felt harder than it. I know that I should be or could be feeling on those moves. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, a hundred percent of my attention had to be on making the right sequences, doing the right things with my feet, breathing, shaking, clipping, like just on all of the details. And, uh, I really like I have that distinct memory of the first move feeling for second move feeling harder. And then I really forgot everything that happened until I was sticking the red point crux. I was like, how did I get here? <laughs> like I, I've never like blacked out like that hard on a route before. And yeah. I, I remember being on the and that's and once you stick that move, you have a really good rest and I just like smiled. I was like, and I, and I kind of, the thing that helps me get through a lot of sport climbing um, projects is like this idea that if I did it once, I can do it again. Mm -hmm. And so sticking that move was like the last little important thing for me because I knew that I, I had just stuck it once. And so I would be able to do it again. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, just like, I, I just, did not feel any more pressure. I was smiling. I knew I had more days. I knew that even if it wasn't this go, it was going to be some other go. And 
just chilled on this rest. And the last little boulder is hard for sure. Um, but if it's only hard if you hesitate. And so um, I just rested and was like, okay, like I'm just going to do the things that I know how to do and see what happens. And then did it. And it was crazy. Felt yeah, so relieved. I love it. That's one of those skills that you, we talk about it like it's a, a thing you either have or you don't, or it's just this magic thing that happens to you where you black out, you get into that zone, you get into this flow state, whatever it is. And it's not really a flow state necessarily because you're fighting the whole time. You know, you're not just flowing super easy. Um, but you're battling and continuing to believe. It's not a thing that just happens to us. It's a it's a thing we've learned. We've spent a lot of time putting ourselves in these situations where we have to, you know, do three moves where we're battling, and then we're doing four moves where we're battling, and then we're doing ten moves where we're battling, and all of a sudden we have this ability to battle up entire boulders, entire roots, you know, where we might be falling at any moment, but we're trying like hell to stay on. Mm -hmm. And we know where to put our focus. Our focus doesn't go on, I might fall. It goes on, here's how I execute this move and I have to do that right now. And that's, that's a skill you only build up by doing lots of sport climbs, lots of boulders, you know, 15 million of them approximately. And... And I don't think there's a way to build that in the gym at all with any number of one-armed hangs. Totally. Yeah, and I guess I would say that it, honestly, I think that that's the first time that's ever happened to me. And I, I would not say that it's necessary. Um, but it was like, it was nice to kind of feel like that finally my focus was just 100% on what needed to be done. Yeah, you had built all those skills to a point where they could be at least partially automatic mm -hmm. and and be just happening in the background while you were able to put your focus on one one thing, one single part of the what you were doing. It's such a cool place to be. I have two places I want to go before we wrap this up. <clears throat> Not sure which order to do them in, so I'm going to start here. You, you made a post about Mango just recently where you talked through your beta and how it related to other people who've done the route. Mm -hmm. Why? Oh, good question. Um, so the last time I had tried Mango was in 2019. And there's just not a lot of information about the climb. And there's really only, until recently, there's really only that one video of Joel Brady mm -hmm. doing it. And he does this like mono move, which is really crazy. And he sticks to the arete. And, and kind of the thing that people talk about when they talk about Mango Tango is that like the orange flares with the climb. Right. And so you like the orange is really tight and on the red at the beginning. And then as you go up, it kind of flares out and you get into, you know, finally towards the chains, you do this like compression sequence. And so I had tried the climb in 2019 and, you know, well, so, okay. 
the first time I had tried it, I was actually climbing with Nate Drawn and we were like, had seen the Joel Brady video and we got to that point and we were like, they're like these crimps right here. Like, why would I not just like grab these crimps? Mm -hmm. And so we were like, this feels weird, but the crimps are just like right there. So we were like, okay, we did this crimp sequence. It's not easy, but it doesn't look as hard as the mono sequence looked, but I also never tried it that way. So I don't know. So I, we were like, nah, I don't know this kind of, but you know, the, the crux sequence is this arete move. And then, you know, all of the crux and red point cruxes we do the same way are similar to Joel Brady, who was the second ascent. I actually don't know how the FA was done. Um, and so then in 2019, when I was getting close to it, I had kind of talked to a few people and was like, so how do people feel about these crimps right here? And everyone is like, oh, or people who I had been talking to were like, they're fine. They're there. Like people have done the climb with these, but the people who had done the climb with those crimps hadn't necessarily like publicly been like, I use right. these crimps. Right. And so I was like, well, it seems to be fine, but it's also not like a super public it's fine thing. And so then I was like, whatever, I'll just do it. Like this to me is logical. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 2020, I came back and I just still felt weird about them. I don't know. I think if I could redo my process on it, because now I, I actually had a conversation with Joel Brady and he said that he was like, all of that stuff is just kind of entry into the crux. And he was like, what he did was probably low end 512. And what I did is also probably low end 512. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, while I was climbing, I was like, I don't actually know how this other sequence feels. I've never tried it, but I do it this way. And I had asked another local who had been um, kind of watching some people on it just via Instagram. I was like, how do people feel about these crimps? And she was like, oh, they use them. And so I was like, okay, that's great. And so then I climbed it that way and sent it and was like, cool. But then I watched Chris Fogarty's video and I realized that maybe I had misunderstood what Karen was saying because he uses the crimps but also has a hand on the arete and so the left hand crimps so he uses these crimps as left hands and has a hand on the arete and I use them as right hands and kind of go like one little bit further and so then I was like oh my god like I don't know I mean I think it's one thing to climb a climb the way that you think you want to climb it and all these things but it's kind of another thing to be like so you know full disclosure i'm paid from a handful of sponsors and mm -hmm. i'm public about like these things and i'm you know obviously talked to a bunch of people before i claimed an fa but or sorry well ffa first female ascent but i did make a big deal about it and to me like if i'm being paid i'm making a big deal about something like I have to be honest. And that's the whole thing. Like yeah. it doesn't really, I guess, depending on who you talk to, but you know, like I did my due diligence and I tried to like look into what was right and what was wrong. And there's not a whole lot of information. I made a decision based on what I felt like. But at the end of the day, like I was like, as long, I just need to be honest about the way that I did it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, posted the video. It was like, this is how it's done. Like, if it felt upper end 14A to me, I know people have done it this way in the past and I know people have done variations of this way and, you know, but like this is the honest truth and whatever you want to think about it, you can. Um, 
And then I ended up having a conversation with Joel Brady, which was crazy, by the way. I've watched his video like millions of times <laughs> since I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Joel Brady. Like, wow, this is wild. But we, you know, after the fact kind of had a conversation about like I did the crux the same way, did the red point crux the same way. All the en entry moves are about the same grade. It, it, yeah. it's slight variation doesn't really matter. But I do wish I had tried it the other way, just so I, at the moment, could have made a decision that they felt similar. But because I had only tried it one way, mm. I just really didn't know. And I had some anxiety that maybe I skipped a crux and I don't know. So I was a I, little bit stressed about it. Yeah, and I don't mean to to stress you out in this moment either. <laughs> you know, I think it's an interesting, cloudy strange game that we play especially when we start going down those rabbit holes of how did the first ascensionist do it is this hold on or is this hold off and yeah all these weird absurd cloudy areas we allow ourselves to go into yeah and i really like i don't i don't i understand the value of, of maybe those conversations but even like particularly at the new things are pretty wandery yeah, and like, totally. And I think that there's definitely very valid ways to do lots of different things. And that's kind of the beauty of climbing. Um, but, you know, say I were to have done something that maybe skipped a crux move, then ultimately it's, in my opinion and like my values, it's just important that I'm honest about how I did it yeah. and how, what grade I felt like it was. Yeah, totally. And if you had done something that, skipped a crux move in my opinion you just had better beta than the yeah. first ascensionist or I think whoever that it's else just because the like <clears throat> i don't know mango tango is this kind of mysterious thing and like yeah there's it's got a reputation there's maybe like so i wanted to say that maybe 15 people have done it but then i started like as i've had more conversations now that i've done it like more people have kind of come out of the works and so maybe it's like 20 but there's still just that one video and A-Day says like eight people have done it. I know that there's more people that have done it, but nobody really knows who they are. Right. And then the one video that exists talks about how it's just like, you know, it the climb follows this orange and it just makes you feel like it's right. Right. off. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish everybody listening could see you air quoting and, <laughs> and rolling your eyes a little bit because that's how I have these conversations is air quoting and rolling my eyes. Yeah. Because I, I sort of feel the same way where it it's a little anxiety producing sometimes. Like, well, did I actually do this or didn't I? And then you have to start questioning yourself. Like, what is it that I actually want out of this? Yeah. You know? Do I want to climb this piece of rock or do I want to connect these bolts together? Or do I want to follow a sequence that, this, yeah. this arbitrary sequence that someone came up with. Yeah. You know? And I think that, I mean, that was kind of hard for me too, though. Like, you know, being totally honest. Yeah. Like, I What really if someone did... says you didn't do it? Oh, I would be, I would be devastated. I, but okay, at this point, I would be like, you're wrong. I did do it. Good. Go try it. But it, it would be like annoying, I guess. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I did have this whole 
moment with Mango Tango where I was like, I want to have done this route. Like, <clears throat> I, I can't sit here and tell you that I had this very pure, like, oh, I just wanted to climb it kind of attitude because it's not 100% true. Like, sure, the new means a lot to me. And I, I did, you know, like, this is a ultra classic, like, I don't know, kind of, it's a dream line. And like, I did want to have done it. And so I think like, there was a, just to start with, there was a little bit less of a pure attitude about it. Like I, sure. I, I, I don't even know if it's possible to be <laughs> pure. We're going back to eye rolling and yeah. air quotes here. I don't even know if that's a possibility. But you I know. guess that's just to say that, like, I can't sit here and be like, oh, I just climbed this for myself. Because yeah. that's not true. Sure. Like, I did, I did really want to do it. And I knew not a lot of people had done it. And I speculated that no other women had done it. And, and it, you know, the new means a lot to me. And it, it's kind of cool to be you know, adding myself to like a small part of its grand history. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing something wrong, which I don't know, I just don't want to be doing anything <laughs> wrong. Wrong. What does that mean, Carrie? <laughs> yeah. What does wrong mean? I'll but, say this. I, I've been having these conversations with myself for the better part of a year now. Um, sort of surrounding a project I'm working on about the history of this and the the emphasis we put on the importance of the first ascent mm -hmm. and and sort of rewriting the history for myself um, at least in how I view it and even though I'm in the midst of that conversation with myself and trying to erase some of the artificial importance I had placed on certain aspects of the sport. When I saw your video, it, and I had the inkling, like I think she just sent, it felt big to me. And I was very excited for you. Oh, well, thank you. So. And I guess like to kind of maybe wrap that up, like really the only way I think something can be done wrong is by deceiving people mm. and so the Glad fact that, that I was like here's the send footage here's how I did it here's how I you know here's how maybe it's differed from the second ascent I honestly still don't even know how the FA did it and like this is the grade that I thought it was it you know all these things are facts and I guess grade is opinion but <laughs> you know to me, now I can never have done it wrong because I was honest about it. Yeah, and maybe you're, you know, the next young woman coming up who wants to climb it can look at your video and feel less intimidated by the fact that there's this different sequence now out in the world and they don't have to get as wrapped up in the details of is this right or is this wrong. And, yeah. And I think that's really important, so... I'm glad it's all out there. Yeah. Last question. A little off topic, but not really. When I say technique, what do you feel like that means? And 
And where do you place yourself on a scale of one to 10 when you think of your own technique? Hmm. Just like. And I'm asking because you've, you've done hard boulders, you've done hard sport climbs. You're undeniably a really good rock climber. And I think this technique is this weird, cloudy place where a lot of us, there's no, there's no good way to measure it. Like if we had a way to measure technique, you would just be measuring your technique and you'd be like, fuck, I'm amazing, you know, <laughs> instead of worrying about, do I need to hang on a one arm edge to be able to do this? It'd be like, oh, my technique is this number. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Technique number, <laughs> this. strength number, this. Okay. <laughs> so I'm curious, what, what does that mean to you? Do you feel like you, let, let me ask it in a more pointed way. Do you feel like you know all the techniques? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I okay. guess the only way, that's a funny question because when I think about it, the way that I rationalize it is comparing it to strength. <laughs> because I'm like, okay, yeah. so Quinn can one-arm hang this 15 mil and do like five pull-ups, but I can do this move that he can't do, so I'm technically better. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess that's um, it's it's funny. Like I think it does kind of go back to my understanding of strength because I'm like, there's got to be an answer. Like if I'm not as strong as somebody and I can do something they can't do, it has to be something else. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess to me, I've just filled in that blank with technical. But yeah, obviously, like there's a lot about climbing to learn and I for sure don't know all of the techniques and um when actually, you, this is a conversation we kind of had in Lander too like, yeah and we when we had it I really enjoyed it and there was a moment that sort of sparked it that that I really love seeing it's it's one of the one of my like great joys in in climbing with other people is this like you're already a really good climber, but you've recently learned something new or, you know, recently have learned to move in a new way that you're finding exciting, you know, and, and I just fucking adore that so much. And at, in the position that I'm in, I regularly have conversations with people who are like, well, my technique is fine. I just need to get my hang numbers up. And I'm like, oh, if you're stating that your technique is fine, then maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, that's sort of how I feel mm -hmm. because all of the really good climbers I've climbed with take so much joy in learning new techniques, mm -hmm. learning new ways to move. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed our conversation too because we tied it back to language. And we yeah. were saying, you know, there are these spaces, like groups of people that climb together and they create language for moves because mm -hmm. I think what's holding us back as a community in terms of our understanding of technique is that we don't really have words for different types of moves. So, right. you know, around here, the people that I climb with, we have the Rosie, which is Michael Rosado's like crazy cross through fling back move. And we've got the like, groany snatch which Zach Gronewald does <laughs> Will's you know Will's got his squeezy feet or pinchy feet yeah. and there's a flouse in and like we we have 
we try to build more words for the ways that you can do climbs and hold grips and stuff. And we, we were also talking about, because you were like, you looked at me climbing and you were like, how the crap are you crimping this? You were like, I've never seen somebody crimp something like that. Right. Like, I don't know. That's just how I crimp stuff. Yeah, like, you just naturally did yeah. it. And I'm like, I can't even make my hand do that. How does that work? Yeah. But I actually taught that <clears> to <throat> Quinn the other day, who's way stronger than me. And he was like, how do you crimp stuff? And I was like, here, do this. And he was like, oh my God, it works. Yeah. But yeah, I think like, yeah, there's not a lot of language around all these moves when there could be, because when people think of technique, I think they think there's like five things, right. you know, there's a dyno, you can do something statically, dynamically, there's dead point, drop knee, smear, right. Gaston. All heel hooks are created equal, all toe hooks are created equal, Yeah, whatever. But, but that's like <clears throat> a fraction of all of the small things that are out yeah. there. And so I guess... My, that's a very long answer to your question, but I guess my understanding of my technical abil ability is just relative to my strength. And I know that, you know, kind of by comparing myself to others, which obviously isn't always great, but sometimes it's helpful. Sure. I know that I'm lagging in this one area. And so it's useful for me to work on it. Um, but I also, you know, especially in like, styles of climbing that's outside of my comfort zone like the spray wall that I'm looking at um with like slopers and pinches and more compression stuff like I I, I guess I would say my technique probably excels on crimps but it's there's technique on slopers and pinches and compression and all that kind of stuff that I still have lots of work to do yeah, on. Yeah, and more powerful moves and moves yeah. you have to slow down right at the end and different yeah. ways to create momentum and totally. you know, different and trajectories. You, and it's it's endless. And even as you like gain strength, there's a process <clears throat> where you have to learn how to apply that strength. Absolutely. It's not just automatic. Yeah, I don't know if I talked to you about this or not, but when I had my like epiphany that, okay, I've been, I've been doing myself a disservice by saying my half crimp is just silly strong. I don't need to full crimp. Mm -hmm. When I found that. one hold that I couldn't half crimp and I had to full crimp it. And then I kept trying to move and I couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it. So I asked my friend Josh who had flashed the boulder. I'm like, where would you put your feet for this move? just occurred to me, like, maybe I'm not doing the move right because I've never held a hold like this. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I'd put my foot here and here. And I'm like, I would not put my foot, my feet there at all. It would not occur to me to put my feet there. And I put my feet there and I did the move. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I just learned a new grip, which opened up this whole new world of body position and foot placement and that I, I now get to learn. And that's fucking amazing to me yeah yeah and uh my, another another hot take i think it's a cop out to be at a boulder and say that i just need to get stronger for this move totally it's like all right what can you i think it's almost do? always the wrong answer to yeah. say i just need to get stronger and even as somebody who in the broad generalization of my climbing as a whole i do just need to get stronger for now um, it, I have found myself being at boulders or climbs being like, I can't do this move because I'm not strong enough. Mm. And nine times out of 10, that is 
a huge cop out. Yeah. And well, it's not the answer right then. It's definitely not the regardless. answer right now. You can't get stronger in the hour you're going to be there. Yeah. And it's also just like, <clears throat> you know, specifically what about the strength do I feel like I'm lacking? And, you know, is there a body position that would actually make it so that, you know, and, and kind of the same way that like just try hard is a cop out. Mm -hmm. Like, but how? Like, do you need to apply more pressure in your foot? Do you need to take mini shakes before you get to this point? Do you, like, just try hard doesn't actually give you any information. Yeah. And sometimes maybe it is like something in your brain just needs to want it a little bit more and you need to try hard. But more often than not, I think it's specifically what do you need to be doing? Yeah, I just went to a a vegetable boulder the other day that okay, what had, is a vegetable boulder um just like you know i slopers and compression are my dessert crimps are my vegetables oh. i have to i have to eat them <laughs> i don't really want to but i have to oh i love that and i'm learning to enjoy it more as my palate improves you know and i went back to this vegetable boulder that had kind of wrecked me in the spring um and i climbed the bottom of it into the first really hard move for me and it felt exactly how it had in the spring but what clicked because I had been sending recently was I didn't feel right through all these moves like this part is different and should feel different than this part so I spent the rest of the session working on how can I kind of be loose and and sort of flow through these moves and then turn on the try hard where I had been sitting down and going, this is a vegetable boulder. I have to try really hard. And then I was a, a little too rigid through the start moves and I was arriving at the first really hard move tired mm -hmm. after having done moves that aren't really that hard. So as soon as I like learned the, the subtlety of, I need to flow through this. And then when I'm here, I can take a breath, reset, try hard. All of a sudden I did the move and bigger length than I did in, you know, 10 days of trying it in the spring or something. You're so right. There's, there's subtleties to everything we say and we'll, we'll do ourselves a favor if we explore those subtleties instead of just making a blanket statement. Totally. Thank you for sitting down and having this conversation that goes every which direction. <laughs> but it's somehow all kind of related. Yeah, it kind of all is. I'm glad it seems that way to you. <laughs> um, and thank you for like, when there are moments like I'm feeling anxious about this beta, did I do it right um, or whatever, putting it out there and being open with that those feelings with those emotions with your excitement with your surprise with your goal setting um, all of that I think it's really important for people in general to see but especially young women climbers who are coming up who have you as someone to look up to i'm glad that they have you oh i'm so glad thanks. and i'm so glad that you got to drink that bottle of wine i actually 
did not really love it. <laughs> it was a little, a little disappointing. But you know, it. it <laughs> I, I drank some and it, it tasted good in uh, in mind, not in palate. Fucking perfect. I love it. Oh, cool. This will certainly not be the last time that Carrie Scott is on this podcast. I I absolutely admire her persistence, her dedication, um, the way she approaches it with humility, as well as a very human sense of confidence that can waver and be built back up. I love it. It's what we need to hear more of. Thank you, Carrie, for putting it out there. If you want to see some close-up photos of Carrie's diamond of 100 boulders, which actually turned out to be 130 before she could get her top boulder on there, then you can do that right there at the link in your show notes in your pocket supercomputers. It's also on my Instagram today as this episode goes out. You all know where you can find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. Check out the new community forum at community.powercompanyclimbing.com. We'd love to see you in there. You can also keep up with all of my vague announcements as to what's coming right there on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterest, the YouTubes. Some of those places, at least, I'll be making vague announcements. You can find those links in your show notes, in your pocket supercomputers, You can look for a link to the Twitter. You're not going to find one because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.